Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Science of Pokemon. I'm Better and Lucas, and with me, as always, is my friend and yours, Professor Collins. How you been, Professor? Uh, very, very, very busy and very tired. It's been a long, very long month. I am so happy for summer to be here. It is the first day of summer uh, break. Woo! Yeah. Oh, boy. Now I get to trade in a bunch of children for my own children. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so first off, we want to thank you guys for being patient with us. We had a lot of stuff come up in May. We were busy, and our jobs kept us away from doing this, but we're back. Uh, we're going to try and get some more episodes out for you during the summer, hopefully Two more than one a month. month. Two that a month. That is the goal. That is the goal. And Two a month. We're going to try and get that. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, for today's episode, though, I decided to dust off one of my favorite topics. Uh, we are going to be talking about African wildlife. Really? No, no, no. Okay. So there's more than Afri African wildlife than just that awesome song and the Lion King and that other song about Africa. Like, there's there's so much to talk about with this, and it usually gets either ignored or we don't really get a chance to go really in-depth into some of these animals that have been with us since our very childhood. These are the animals that everybody teaches about. And I want to give you guys a chance to learn a bit more about them. So grab your pet helmets, uh, grab some safari balls. Let's go in and start the show. Cue the music. All right. So let's get started. Um, now, when you're talking about Africa, there are many different ways to talk about it because it is literally, I think, the second largest continent on the planet. It's it's pretty massive. I mean, it's like it's bigger than thirteen Americas or, or United States of Americas. Wow. Yeah. So there, you could talk about it a number of different ways. For us, we're going to focus more on the wildlife, but other people could focus on the fact that kind of shows Europe and a lot of other countries being jerks to it. Uh, I'd rather focus on the wildlife. Oh man. <laughs> I know. I know you and your social sciences, but. I think other people with other podcasts and other mediums can talk about this topic better than we can. So we're going to focus on African wildlife. Now, as you've said, this continent is massive. And assuming that everything is the same, that everything is giraffes, lions, and hippos everywhere you go, is pretty limited. Yeah, like, it's, it's are, kind of an ignorant standpoint. I mean, America, we know it's how diverse. And you're like, oh, it's bigger than 13 of them. And you're like, oh, well, then, you know. It, yeah, there's got to be huge. Yeah, there's massive differences. Just in, even the different deserts are functioning differently. So what we're going to do, um, I'm going to go from the top of Africa down as low as I can. And we'll go ahead and talk about some of the major ones that most people are familiar with. So let's start with the first one, the Sahara Desert. Yes. Now, usually when you talk about the Sahara Desert, that desert on its own is roughly the size of the United States. So imagine all of the U.S., but a desert. Like there is very little food. Very little water. It's a Mad Max nonsense out there. And there, most people, if you go out there, you're not coming back unless so like, you know what you're doing. It's America in three years. <laughs> Ouch. Painful. I'd give it 10. I'm optimist. In any case, um, there's so many animals like ostriches and even some giraffe species that will make their way out there. But also hyenas, jackals, um, all the animals I just mentioned 
you can find other Pokemon games. They're right there. But outside of the Pokemon games, you have a number of different dung beetles. Uh, you have cheetahs that'll make their way out there as well. Uh, you even have one or two species of antelope right now that would live out in that area. There's one called the Adax. It's my favorite. But that just shows that even larger life, not just bugs, can survive out in this crazy heat. Now, if you get out of the Sahara Desert uh, and you start making your way down to Kenya and Tanzania near the um, east coast of Africa, that's when you get um, the grasslands. This is the area where all your lions and wildebeest and zebras and crocodiles, all these major African animals, elephants that call that place their home. That's what you're going to get. Now, the grasslands function very differently from the desert. Now, there's not rain year round, but there are the rainy seasons and the animals will typically follow the rainy season and the animals who follow the rainy season are followed by the animals that eat the animals during the rainy season. No way. So, so of course you have zebras. Um, the one Pokemon I would love to see in this is the wildebeest because it is part of the largest migration. So you can have one to 1.5 million of these animals just moving throughout their entire lives looking for food and water. Um, they move so much that when they're first born, how long do you think it takes for them to learn to walk? I don't know, a, d a day? Takes them about five to six minutes to pick up and walk, 24 hours to run as fast as their parents. And keep in mind a wildebeest can hold a speed between 30 and 50 miles an hour. Well, one day. Well, I mean, I don't know, I guess I think about other, other prey. And I mean, besides domesticated herbivores like cows, I mean, you, you need to be moving or you, uh, you get eaten. <laughs> Pretty much. You either get hidden by your parents or you go ahead and get, or you learn to run fast. Those are your two options in order to survive. <laughs> but again, you also have a lot of these animals that just survive all year round. And some animals truly depend on that ecosystem. Like the crocodiles, they only eat like once a year in some cases because the wildebeest just wander right into the river. And that nutrients that they provide feeds the rest of the area. And it not only feeds the animals there, but it also feeds ecotourism and other things that keep that area going. Now, further south, you're going to start getting into the jungles, the rainforest, the Congo. Now, once you get into those areas, you start getting a lot of your rainforest light. You start getting our old world monkeys. You start getting the apes. Um, in the rivers, you'll get catfish and other different species. You'll get even more crocodiles there. Uh, but you'll also get different species of insects and butterflies. If I kept going south through all these areas, I'd hit more grasslands. I'd hit more rhinos. And I would also get down to the coast where we have penguins and great white sharks and seals and sea lions. All of the Pokemon that you know of are probably found in some part of Africa. I'd dare to say more than 50% of the animals that are based in Pokemon can be found there. And I think that's so cool and it's something we take for granted. Yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really sure how, how to how to how to comment on that. There's a lot there. Yeah. I mean, culture-wise yeah, though, no. in the Pokemon yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, so African culture um I don't know. I mean, like we just talked about it. It's a huge continent. It's very diverse. And you just you don't see a whole lot of African culture. There is stuff like from Egypt, and we'll talk about that in the next episode, actually. Um, but you just you don't see the same 
uh, detail to African cultures as you do others. I mean, we see, we've seen North American based mythology. We've seen some from South America. We've seen stuff from France, from, uh, you know, you have your Norse, but we just, we have not seen a whole lot of African. And I don't know if that's because culturally, uh, Japan is more isolationist, which kind of would kind of give you insight to why so much of the culture in these games is based on Japan. Um, I will say that as someone who loves, you know, the diversity in this world, uh, our, our continued returns to Kanto is not going to fix that. It's just going to keep making it worse. You know, I'd like to see more diversity in our games. I mean, we have Australia, the whole continent of Africa. I keep pushing for Spain or Brazil. You know, I'd love to see these other areas explored and kind of dive into these other cultures. I mean, I, I think about, you know, the episode we talked about Alola and, and yeah, the diversity that came with that game. I mean, just you and I doing the research on there, the amount of things we learned about the Polynesian and Pacific Islander cultures. I think that that detail needs to be given to other areas too, not just areas that... You know, Japanese are known for touring. They're known for coming to the New York metro area. They're known for going to France. They're known for vacationing in Hawaii. Well, I think it's time for us yeah. to look at other areas, too. Yeah, like, let's go to those places that most people wouldn't even consider. Even if it's not Africa, go to some other parts of Asia oh, or Russia. Amazing. Any... Or Vietnam. Oh, India would be awesome. Oh. All these great places. But, again, we've seen that the Pokemon team can pull things off. Hopefully in 2019, we'll see something really cool in a new area we've never explored. Yeah, no more Kanto. But for now... Yeah, no more... No, I am I played that game, like, two times now. I don't I don't want to go back. I mean, don't get me wrong. Want to go back. He is my favorite. Clearly, anyone who knows our logo. Like, but yeah. I, 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 we've had enough. Let's go somewhere new. <laughs> Please, I'm, I'm done. I don't I'm want... Do I don't, I don't want to go back home to Palatown. Ten times before I say no more Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, we're going to go ahead and jump right to the Serengeti wildlife. Yes! So these are the animals that you can find all throughout the Serengeti, the Pokemon that they're based off of. And after this, oh, you're going to have a definite new appreciation for some of these beauties. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> Alright, so we're going to go ahead and get started on our African wildlife, and we're going to start right at one of my favorite animals to talk about when it comes to Africa, the zebra. So, Professor, uh, would you like to ride a zebra? Uh, no. Why? Uh, because I only want to ride, like, a shark. I mean, they wouldn't like that much either, but the zebra would probably be the worst option to ride. So, one of the biggest things I used to hear is, like, why didn't the people of Africa ride out on zebras? And that's because the people who tried that are dead. Zebras are not pretty ponies. They are zebras. And with zebras, they bite, kick, and scream. And that is when they're socializing. Their kick is strong enough to break a lion's jaw in a single hit, and their bite is stronger than that of a horse, so it can take fingers. Uh, well, the people who think you can ride a zebra just don't know that these animals, while they look like horses, they've evolved and adapted in this area with so many major predators that anything that's jumping on their back is trying to eat their back. 
Now Zebstrika in the Pokemon game follows a very similar mentality. It does not like it when people touch it. It does not like it when anyone rides it. It is a very grumpy, bitter, angry Pokemon. And if you mess with it, it will stomp on you and electrocute you. I love that Pokemon got this right. So many other people, when they talk about Zebra, mess up because they say, oh, well, the zebra is just like a horse, so just paint it pretty, let kids ride it, and that's that's not the case. If you let your child ride a zebra, you're not going to have a child for much longer. So wait, they're not like all friendly and stuff, and like hanging out with lemurs and having parties? Personally, when I was working at a zoo, I got to see when they ever they moved an animal into the uh, massive Serengeti we had, uh, they had to move the zebras off-site just for a few days to let the new animals get used to their new surroundings. Ugh. And then they'd put the zebras back and hope that the zebras didn't do something stupid. That was our lives working with zebras. <laughs> and now next up, uh, we do have Dodria, which uh, it's weird. They got one fact right, but like every other fact is just kind of focused on the whole three heads, three hearts, three lungs. Three everything else. Yeah, three everything else. Uh, but every time um, I talk about ostriches, one thing I like to mention is their speed. So we're going to play the numbers game. Every time I ask you a question, Professor, you're going to answer me with the number 40. Got it. So, all right, how fast can they run? 40. Yep, 40 miles an hour. How long does it take for an egg to hatch? 40. How many chicken eggs to fit an ostrich egg? 40. Oh, incorrect. It's 24, but thanks for playing. Uh -huh. No, believe it or not, um, the ostriches can run at about 40 miles an hour, and they can sustain that speed for around 30 minutes. So they have a lot of running potential, and it is pretty much word for word what you find in the Pokedex. These animals can run 40 miles an hour, and they can sustain that speed. So that's really weird how they got that one fact right. Uh, the part that they did not get right was the fact that Dojo, with its three heads, has a lot of time to think. Birds come in a wide variety of intelligences. The ostrich is not on that high end of intelligences. No, they are they are not very bright. Their eyes are bigger than their brain. I know people and like they that. Run pure... <laughs> and they run purely on instinct as well. I know well. people like that too. I am curious. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I am I am curious with the new Pokemon game coming out on the Switch. I want to see how Dodrio flies. Its head spin like a helicopter. Oh. That's what we say as fans, but I want them to say it. I want them to look us in the eye and say that they do it that way. <laughs> All right, so the next animal we're going to talk about, this one goes out to my little sister. This is her favorite animal, um, lion. So Pyroar, when it was introduced, loved the design, loved everything about it. It was a real, it was a new type we combination we'd never seen before. Uh, but again, the design, when it evolved, the females looked like female lions, and the male looked like male lions. And there was a differentiation in the ratio of who you got. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, but the Pokedex gets it sort of right with them. So they, it's, they get parts right, but then there are other parts that need to be fixed. So first off, females um, in the Pokedex protect their cubs, and the male lions are just really lazy until they have a friend that needs protecting. That's sort of correct. I, Females will look after the cubs. I thought the male lions will do that too, though. The male lions will look after the cubs. The females, they want to the keep females them safe. go on hunts like at night and stuff, right? Because I saw that on um. Oh god, which one was it? Was it Planet Earth or Life? Uh, one or the other, but either life. way, you're yeah, you're right. 
In pop culture, everyone has this idea of, oh, the lion is just there to be big and pretty and help reproduce. No, he, like, helps raise the cup. Yeah, that's what his job is. He has stakes in this race. He's sitting there watching over these little ones because if another male lion shows up and wins in a fight against him, he's going to get rid of his kids so that way he can have his own children. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's not good for anybody in that group, honestly. They have a good thing going in that group. And male lions do do stuff. It's not just they they jump up to protect their friends. They jump up to protect their family and what's theirs. And I think that's really important and shouldn't be overlooked with them. Again, they look pretty and fierce, so it's harder for them to be stealthy. Females, much better to be stealthy in hunting. Although lions, male lions will hunt. And when they hunt, it's, a it's, another, um, uh, it's another cat that can help out with a lot of the major struggles. Alright, so the next one I want to talk about is something a lion might try and go after, but mostly fail to catch. <laughs> so if you go back to Gen 1, uh, deep in the safari zone, while you're looking for some old man's teeth, can't wait for the kids to get a load of that it's one. It's a dratine. No, I mean if you go fishing, but if you're just going through the grass, you'll probably find a rye horn or a, uh, just find a rye horn running around. Now, you're going to throw rocks at it, get it mad, catch it, super easy. But then the Pokedex pops up and tells you the animal you just got is dumb as dut. Sorry, dumb as dirt. He will rampage and destroy everything he comes near. Great monster for having in the game, but if it's based off a rhinoceros, you've got a lot of edits to make. Like, a lot. So first off, there are two species of rhino that live in Africa. The black rhino, which is critically endangered. And the white rhino, which is vulnerable. However, white rhino species subspecies are not doing so well. So that's why you hear like the white rhino is extinct. Technically, a subspecies is extinct. There are still white rhinos left in Africa. Uh, but they're not dumb. White rhinos to me are so cool because they're everything that this Pokedex entry isn't. They are social. They're the only social group of rhinos. In fact, you call a social group of rhino a crash just because the, the idea of them being crashing and destructing, destructive and destroying everything just kind of sticks around. Uh, but for rhinos, they have really close family bonds. They will watch out for each other in these crashes. Now, the idea that they'll mindlessly run in one direction and just stop when they hit something. No, rhinos can turn on a dime. They can run. I know people who do that. You got like how many of these have we done? Someone put a counter three, up. How three, many? Three, All right, three. You get three. Rule of three in comedy. <laughs> Rule of three. Only three. Yes. Uh, but also, again, when you're running at that speed and be able to turn, most people assume, oh, they're coming in for a rampage. It's gonna sound like thunder. Yeah, it actually sounds like nothing. Their feet are covered in fat which allows them to cushion as they walk. It allows them to be a lot more stealthy when hiding from predators. And that means that when they run, you don't hear anything. Uh, the only thing you're going to hear if a rhino is coming at you, you might hear all the other animals running out of its path so that way it doesn't get to you. Now, they'll only charge if they feel threatened or if you're threatening one of their own. Uh, funny story, uh, when, there was, when there was a wildebeest trying to mess with one of the male rhinos out in the area, uh, the wildebeest was just messing and toying with the male rhino. Females looked on like, oh, that's nah, just just him. He'll be fine. The second that wildebeest turned its sights onto the baby, I saw a rhino flip a wildebeest into the air. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and it's fun, too. It, the, the wildebeest had it coming. Let's just say that he's not out there anymore. He's alive. He's just not out there anymore. All right, so next up in the savannah, uh, we're going to talk about giraffes. 
So Giraffe Rig was announced in the second generation. When it first came out, it weirded people out because its butt had a mouth. But what's but it's adorable. It is adorable. So adorable. <laughs> My favorite part about Giraffe Rig's design is it is move set because they teach it the move stop. Uh, with giraffes, <laughs> they range from 14 to 19 feet tall. Their main weapon of fighting anything smaller than them is to step on them. Now their feet and their legs can actually kick in any direction too. So if you're underneath the giraffe, you're going to get kicked or stomped on. That's just kind of what they do. Uh, the big misconception is about their necks. Most people believe that the neck is used to eat the tall leaves from the plants. Believe it or not, Wait, it, they hmm? they whack each other with. Them. That's what it's. I've seen them do it. That's what it's evolutionarily designed for. We've done studies and found that their neck is actually um, all the food they're eating is actually oh, not at the highest part of the branches, but actually around their shoulder length. So that's why they have the long necks is to fight, not to eat. Now there is one other animal that is very similar to the giraffe, minus the long neck. I think you know a bit about it. Oh, copy. Yo, copy. Love, love, Yo, love. Copy Yo, copy is like the uh, the cousin of the giraffe, because like giraffe rig is, while its design looks like a giraffe, its body and even the I would argue the color of the back end, the coloration of the back end reminds me more of Okapi. A hundred percent. If you don't know what an Okapi is, it's like a giraffe, but with a zebra's backside and without the neck. So it's Yeah, it's like a it's like a cousin that is half the size. Now unlike the um, giraffes, the Okapi is typically living out in the forest and the jungle is feeding on leaves and vegetation and the foliage. It took a while for people to even discover it existed. Most people thought it was just a myth until some European explorers stumbled upon it. Yeah, and they're they're they're, they're really cute. Look them up, please. Yeah. They I mean like cuz their their bone structure is is so similar to the giraffe it's just it's smaller yeah no, like I, and the neck the neck is different so like the the vertebrae are not as elongated but like the structure itself is is the same and even the uh they have the the same uh the same stupid long tongue it's awesome uh now <laughs> the 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 whole two head thing do you know anything about that? Because I don't. No. I do, actually. Uh, I looked it up. I, I wanted to look up giraffe rig, and it led me down a rabbit hole that brought me back to my youth. <laughs> All right, explain. Um, so it actually is kind of – it is very uh, reminiscent of a creature from the story of Dr. Doolittle. No, not the Eddie Murphy, like the actual Dr. Doolittle book. All right. Um, and – he it he comes across an animal that is called it's the pushmi pull you pushmi pull you i think that's how you say it like pushmi pull you i got you. and it's like a it's like a gazelle unicorn crossbreed and it has two heads one on each of its <laughs> sides of its body man england get off your drug get off your drug england uh, yeah and so the one head talks and the other one eats Huh. Ah. Yeah. I so it kind of made me think of giraffe rig where you're like, oh, this head does all like the talking and the noise and the other head just kind of is there. That's really interesting. I mean, out of all the places they're going for information is that I did not expect <laughs> old English literature for them to be the place. Well done, Japan. You have once again blown well, my I mean, to be, to be fair, England, England did try to like invade them and stuff. Who didn't England try <laughs> to invade? Let's have a bingo game on that. <laughs> Brazil. Brazil. I mean, yeah, but the Portuguese beat them to it. And trust me, I know a little bit about that. 
<laughs> so the last animal uh, we're going to talk about today is one that I'm going to take a little more of a serious note. This one is actually not found in the savannah. It's found in usually the grasslands of Asia and Africa. Uh, it's found in the more arid regions. Um, and this is the pangolin. Uh, the pangolin, uh, you may know it as sand slash. Uh, the pangolin is um, what's the most trafficked animal in the world. Uh, the pangolin is pretty much what it looks like an anteater that had babies with an armadillo. It has this massive, beautiful armored scales that cover its entire body, and they do roll up to protect themselves from predators. Now, I scoured the Pokedex looking for anything truly pangolin related, and all it really mentioned was that sand slash can turn into a ball, and it's super hard to break through. Unfortunately for the pangolin, it is the most trafficked animal in the world because they are harvested for that armor. Uh, people have used it from everything to their meat being a delicacy in many parts of Asia. Uh, their spikes and scales are used as med medicinal medicine, even though it's made out of keratin, the same stuff as your fingernail. And honestly, like most people have never even seen a pangolin before. It's one of these animals that most people just never got a chance to learn or study about because it's just never talked about. David Attenborough is actually doing a documentary very soon about the pangolin, and I can't believe he's finally doing it because it's such an important animal. I think Pokemon should get in on that action. I think they're adorable. It is. I mean, like, we already did it with Sharpedo. You guys called him a monster in Gen 3, and now you guys are trying to save him in Gen 7. That's awesome. Um, I do that with Sandslash. Just mention how he used to be hunted for his scale. That's not going to solve the world's problems on pangolins. But I would love to see Japan, um, and more specifically, Pokemon take that stand. Japan is no is no animal rights activist group. Like, they have done some pretty shaky things when it comes to animal rights. But with the pangolin... Do, currently doing too, fine. Uh, but the point of this animal is literally being used to make thing, everything from someone's dinner to wines and medicine for their health. Just because it says so in tradition, that's not okay. And I think that we should do something about it too. I really wanted to use this chance to talk about this animal because they're so cool. Their babies are super cute. They have a prehensile tail. Um, this one anime I watched made them look totally amazing, but it's, that doesn't do it justice. This animal is fantastic, and everyone should know about it. So if you Google anything, one, Google us, see how awesome we are. Two, Google the pangolin. Like, it is it is an animal that definitely needs worth knowing, and Sandslash definitely could use the boost in his popularity. On that note, um, I think it's time to wrap things up. We got through a lot of African animals, but there's a lot more to go. Hopefully, we can talk about them in different episodes, maybe a reptile episode or a why hippos will kill you episode. You know, we'll figure it out. But they're adorable. Adorably dangerous. All right, guys. So in the middle of that song transition, the professor had to run out to take care of his little one. So I'll be thanking you guys for listening for the both of us. Um, a couple of announcements. Uh, we are working on the live episode. We're just trying to get all the technical stuff out of the way. Last time we were woefully unprepared, and we don't want that to happen again. Uh, we will get you guys all that stuff when we can. Um, finally, I wanted to let you guys know that I, Veteran Lucas, will be showing up at Denver Comic-Con to do a panel on Pokemon and biology. It's one of the three conventions I'll be visiting. I'll be going to MetroCon in Tampa, as well as DragonCon in Atlanta. So hopefully I can see some of you guys there, or you can bring some of your friends. I'd love to meet up with any fans we have out in that area. Um, I always want to let you guys know that you can find us pretty easily on social media. 
Uh, we have not only our Facebook group, Science of Pokemon, uh, we have our email, pokescience at yahoo.com. We have a Twitter page that we're trying to use more with more people signing up to it. We have a lot of different ways to contact and meet, and I'll link some of them down below. Um, you guys are great. Follow our page at PokeScience. Uh, we are always here to make sure you guys learn more and always make sure that we are here to grow with you. So thank you so much. Peace out, everybody. See you next week. Oh, and did I mention that next time we're going to try doing one on Egypt? So that's going to be a lot of fun for us. So uh, pack with water. Uh, bring your exploratory nature. Peace out, guys. <laughs>